The Rainbow Skyline Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Do you want to see Nikola Jokic's latest display of passing wizardry up close and not on TV? With GameTime, you can click on any seat in the app and get a panoramic view of the court, kind of like how the Joker sees the court. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Rainbow Skyline Podcast, a podcast about the Denver Nuggets from your friends at The Athletic. My name is Nick Cosmider, and I'm joined by my colleague Kendra Andrews, and together we are the tag team duo covering the Nuggets here at The Athletic. This is our weekly free show that you may be listening to on Apple, Spotify, or even The Athletic app. We also have a weekly bonus episode that features additional analysis, interviews with writers from around our network, and more. And you can only get that podcast by being a subscriber to The Athletic. So go to theathletic.com slash rainbowskyline. To get 40% off an annual subscription, which gives you all of our podcasts, plus national podcasts and in-depth writing from an all-star cast of reporters from across the country. So, Kendra, since our last episode, which followed a loss to the Lakers at home one week ago, well, Denver has kept losing. Um, They lost tonight to the Philadelphia 76ers in Philly, 97-92. They've now lost 5-6 of overall and went just 1-3 on their East Coast road swing. A blowout of the Knicks during this road trip is their only win since November 26th. Uh, Before we get into tonight's game and before we get too deep into the offensive struggles that we'll dive into here in a minute, what's just your overall thoughts on the difficult week for the Nugs? It's it's been a difficult one, that's for sure. I think every loss that they've had... Their, you know, their past couple losses have all been different and they've all been extremely painful. I mean, you go back to the Sacramento loss that happened right at the buzzer. Then you go to the Lakers loss. That one was painful because the Lakers just kind of took advantage. Then you go to Boston. Then you go to Brooklyn. Then you go to Philadelphia. And they're just struggling. You know, they their offense has been struggling, which we'll talk about later, like you said. And for the early part of the season, their defense was keeping them in it. It was getting them wins. And now I think we're really seeing what's going to happen if their offense doesn't pick up. Because, yes, defense can win games, but it's not going to win 82. It's not going to win and probably enough for them. So I think we're really starting to see, you know, the the, the downside of them not getting their offense together. Yeah, Denver's just not very good right now. Um, it, it's, and I, I don't say that glibly. I, I mean, they're, they're just in a, um, they're just in a funk right now that, that something is going to have to give. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just not, what, what's striking to me is there just doesn't seem to be a lot of confidence. And, and that's, that's very surprising um, given a, how well they started the year, despite the fact that they weren't playing that well on offense. Um, and, and also just the idea that this is a team that, has some experience now, has guys who have been through the fire a little bit, went through two seven-game series last year and, and brought everybody back. And so to me, the fact that guys just don't seem super confident in the shots that they're taking uh, or, or that they're going to go out there and they're just going to kind of uh, roll over or, or, or dominate an opponent that, that they should be able to do that with, obviously the Knicks game notwithstanding, um, that that to me is what's most striking. It's, it's one of those things that's kind of hard to quantify. There, there's plenty of stuff about their offense that's happening that we're going to talk about that we can quantify. 
uh, but there just seems to be a vibe right now that that they're they're struggling a little bit with their confidence. I, I don't think they're lost. I don't think that they are, um, you know, just in in a place that they can't dig themselves out from. I, you know, again tonight tonight's game in Philly, a team that hasn't lost at home all year. Uh, they played pretty darn well, considering that uh, Jamal Murray, their starting point guard, went out in the first quarter with an injury. So it, it's not that they're that they're a million miles away, but they're they're just in a funk. It's going to take something, I think, um, whether it's a change in a lineup, whether it's you know a kind of a, a schematic change to to some degree, uh, whether it's feeding Nicole Jokic. There's just got to be something that's going to have to give. Do you think that part? I mean, and this is just like speculation 100 percent but do you think that part of coming into this season with you know everyone was putting such high expectations on them and you know last season they there were no real expectations for them and they just went out and did what they did and this year it's very different people are saying they're going to make it to the finals they're going to be first in the west they're playing with a different type of pressure do you think that this what started out as a funk is is kind of in response to oh my gosh we have to perform we have to deliver and we're forcing it and now kind of comes out, well, we're not hitting. So then the confidence becomes a little shaky. I think it certainly could be a part of the equation right now. Uh, you, you look at a team last year that won 54 games, nothing was expected of them. I, I think they, they expected last year that they were going to get into the playoffs. Like that was something that they, they had to do. But outside of that, it, there wasn't really anything that was being asked of them and they got to just go out and play free. And it was just this like, fun upstart team on the rise, playing really well, playing above their heads. Nikola Jokic, um, you know, kind of got into the national consciousness last year. And so, yeah, it was just, it was fun. It was, it was light. It was, um, you know, they never had to deal with anything. I mean, not to say there wasn't adversity along the way last year, but they never had to deal with this just sort of almost, you know, existential type crisis here um, that, that they have going on now. And I absolutely do think, and expectations I think can be a really big part of that. So I think you're right, Kendra. There's certainly something to be said for for that weight that comes with that, uh, and uh, you, I think we're seeing it right now. Mm-hmm. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out. From the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Bape, Palace, and Kith. With StockX, there's no hassle. StockX handles the exchange of every transaction so you never have to worry about legit buyers or sellers. StockX has you covered. With StockX, it's all about transparency. Now you can shop smarter than ever using real-time market data for everything on the site. Rest easy knowing you'll never overpay shopping on StockX. I've used StockX for years. My most recent purchase, a pair of Jordan 4 Cool Grays for my six-month-old son. He's going to be looking fresh. All the kids in the daycare are going to be super jealous of him. I'm going to keep him fresh with StockX where you can buy and sell pre-owned sneakers, handbags, watches from brands like Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Gucci, Rolex, and more. Want in on all the hype? Check out StockX.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. Again, that's StockX.com slash B-B-A-L-L. Check it out today. All right, Kendra. So let's let's quickly just kind of dive into tonight a little bit. Uh, obviously, the Nuggets have been really healthy this year. I wrote about this on Sunday. That's been one of the things that's been interesting is that they've only missed two games due to injury, and as a result, the bench really hasn't gotten a whole lot of playing time. They haven't really been able to get into a rhythm, and uh, the starters are playing more than anybody tonight. We saw a starter go down. It was Jamal Murray uh, in the first quarter, and, and he's one of those guys, right? I mean, that's kind of a, a hold your breath type of moment. 
Absolutely. I mean, he's he's their number two right now, and so I think um, they said that his his X-rays came back clear. Um, so hopefully that's a good sign for him and the team. But yeah, it's one of those situations that anytime one of your key players goes down, you never you never want to see that, and especially for this team who is struggling on offense. I mean, he's a you know key shooter for them, so that's that's not it's not an encouraging thing to see. No, you know, for for all the struggles that the offense has had, and Jamal Jamal Murray has played his role in that, right? Like, he, there's been times where he hasn't been consistent. He, like a lot of guys, is not shooting the three pointer well. But he's averaging over 18 a game, right where he was last year. His assists are up a little bit. His rebounds are up. He's playing better defense. So mm-hmm. he's certainly a guy that they can't they can't afford to lose for all the problems that they're having. Uh, you know, maybe an injury to other parts of the lineup would open up some opportunities and, and allow some guys to get some run. Yeah. But I just don't think he's a guy that you can afford to lose. So we'll keep a close eye on that. But, you know, Jamal Murray goes out. Monte Morris comes in. You know, the starters in that first quarter played really well. Uh, they, they kept it there. Big thanks to Will Barton because he had mm-hmm. he had he scored the team's first 13 points of the game. He had 15 overall in that first quarter. I mean, he, there just wasn't a whole lot he couldn't do. It seemed like in that in that first quarter. I completely agree, and he's just been a consistent player for him. And I think that we've talked about that a couple times on this podcast, just talking about how consistent Will Barton has been. And again, he's had his downfalls too, but just across the board he's been a really steady hand for this team and you definitely saw it tonight he finished with 26 points which was a team high and I think his you know more experienced veteran presence in this kind of rocky season for them has been probably been like a calming factor for the team and yeah I mean he's just been doing everything no you're absolutely right I don't know where they'd be right now without Will Barton <laughs> considering yeah. how, how much everybody else has has struggled at various points um you know even Paul Millsap who who started off red hot Mm-hmm. Um, ha- has kind of hit a little bit of a dip the last week or so. Will Barton has just been phenomenal, and he's done it in in pretty much every way. That that that's what's I think so impressive is that yes, he's scoring a lot. Uh, he had you know you can give you 13 points in, in a burst if that's what you need. Yeah, uh, but he's also brought in a lot of other ways. His defense has been very good. He's he's sharing the ball. He's being patient. He's playing well in the pick and roll. So again, another great night for for Will Barton, and and uh, they're gonna the way it's going, they're gonna need him all year. Yeah, one one of the things that they were talking, I was watching, we were both watching the game at home in Denver, but one of the things that they were talking about on the TNT broadcast was that Will Barton told them basically, he's like, I just want to prove to my team that I can you know play and be healthy for a season, and I think that that's just a good goal for him to kind of you know, not necessarily be concerned always about the shots that he's putting up or the points that he's scoring, but kind of to your point, Nick, just doing everything and proving how much of an asset he can be to this team. Because coming into the season, he had a lot of people kind of down on him and doubting him. So, you know, it's, it, I think he's proven them wrong for sure. Yeah. Another, another point in this game, Michael Porter Jr. gets into the action uh, in the first quarter, uh, which is something that we've mm-hmm. almost never seen this year. You kind of felt this coming. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Torrey Craig got a, got a 10-game stretch at the beginning of the season to be the backup small forward. Uh, he was replaced by Juancho Hernan Gomez, who's had about 10 or 11 games and has had, you know, pretty much an up-and-down ride through through that stint. Uh, and, and look, I think it was just time for Michael Porter Jr. Um, to, to kind of have that run and to have an extended opportunity. I think he only ended up playing 15 minutes tonight. But I think to get into a game early when... Um, you know, when there's still obviously all the stakes are involved is, is a good step from him. What were your impressions kind of of him tonight and what he was able to bring? Yeah. I mean, I think that you saw some moments where you're like, okay, yeah, this is, he's a rookie. He, 
who hasn't played a ton, especially like you were just saying early in the game, it's, you know, fast paced. And I think there were moments where you could see that. But whenever he plays, I'm always just kind of in awe of his natural athleticism because you can just tell he's an athlete. And that's not the case for every single basketball player, even though they are all athletes, obviously. But I mean, I think that I think that he is a player who who needs these opportunities. And I think that you know, he'll make mistakes as every rookie does. And I think that the Nuggets and Malone is in an interesting position where they have this rookie who has so much expectations around him and so much hype around him, yet they're also trying to, you know, be a playoff and title contender. So it's like, like you need to balance playing him versus winning games. But I think that he needs to get this experience. That's the only way you're going to learn. And so I think that, yeah, he played 14 minutes tonight. Uh, six points. Um, but I think that as he gets more playing time, those mistakes that he makes or those moments where you're like, okay, yeah, he's a rookie. Maybe he's not used to the pace. He is getting bumped around by bigger guys. I think as he continues to play, that will go down. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and look, he's a guy who, um, is going to do a lot of things just by his presence. He's right. six foot 10. He's long. Um, he, he had a couple of rebounds tonight that like, I just, they just don't get if he's not on the floor. He had six rebounds in just 14 minutes, uh, six points, two of seven from the field, uh, you know, was a, was a minus nine overall in his 14 minutes, but I think he, he was part of a bench unit in the first quarter, um, where Philly really went on a run, run on him. Philly was playing kind of some of its starters during that stretch. So, um, that kind of factors in, I, I think he wasn't as negative as, as some of the bench guys were in, in that time. So, um, again, it was, uh, this is all we can judge on, right? 14 minutes of play. Uh, but mm-hmm. again, him playing in the, in the first quarter, I think we're going to start to see this a lot because look, there's, there's gotta be answers somewhere in this team in terms of finding a way to get back to something offensively. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think decisions are going to start to be made with that goal in mind, as opposed to listen, we know we have a good defense, uh, and, and we don't really want to have to give up anything there. But if, if they can't score, if they can't get this ball moving and, and create opportunities to get out and transition, whatever the case might be, they're not going to be able to beat good teams. You just right. can't if, if your offense is this is this bottled up. So um, before we move on, Kendra, any what were any other prevailing thoughts? Again, Nuggets played tough in this game. They, they came back. Yeah. Um, they, they took a lead in the third quarter. They went on a big, I think it was a 14-4 to run to take the lead. Uh, but then again, just fall, fell into the, more of these offensive funks where they went, you know, mm-hmm. three, four minutes uh, without scoring. Uh, it just seems to, I mean, that just seems to be kind of a, a commonplace thing for them these days. No, it really has. These these late game stretches of struggling and giving up leads is has become a really bad trend for the Nuggets. And it's starting to cost them games like in the past. They've been able to come back. But again, like we were just talking about and what I said before, it's starting to show that they're their defense isn't always going to pull them out of these things. They need to be able to hit shots and they're not. And I think, you know, they're coming home. We'll talk a little bit more about that a little later, I think, but they're about to open up a five game home stretch four game, five game, something like five that. Games, yeah, yes, five, five games. Game. And I, you know, hopefully at home for them, that's where they can figure out what is going on. They're facing some good teams and some eh teams <laughs> while they're at home. But I mean, it's, they, they, I think it's becoming a thing that they know that they can't just kind of keep coasting on with just having good defense. Yeah. Because offense is the biggest topic. Let's, let's dive a little bit into it here. We'll we'll kind of go through these um, somewhat quickly, but I want to go over four different areas that, that we've kind of discussed amongst ourselves about things that we've seen that are really keeping Denver's offense stuck in the mud. 
And, you know, so I'm going to start at the top. And obviously, Nikola Jokic is is going to be a big part of anything. Anytime you're talking about Denver's offense in general, uh, he's going to be the topic of conversation because everything theoretically runs through him. Uh, but this year, it's running through him a lot less than it was last year. I think his usage rate last year was up near 28%. Um, you know, that it's dipped down this year to 24%. That might not seem like a lot, but I think when you're, when you're talking about a few critical possessions here and there, um, over the course of time that starts to add up. And so I, I really do think that one of the ways they might need to switch this around is to, to go back to just playing through him constantly, Mm -hmm. um, you know, forcing him to, whether it's him bringing the ball up the floor or setting screens on his man, um, you know, just, just running cross screen action in the post to get him to where he's catching more paint touches. Um, and, and then it has to be on him too, to fight his way through double teams and, and most certainly to take advantage when you, smaller guys get switched onto him. Um, he, they're so much better when he is that kind of tour de force guy who's doing a lot of, a lot of everything. Now, the problem is, is that part of that, everything part of just keeping the defense honest enough is him being able to, sh- to, to hit from the outside. And that's just been a massive problem this year. He's shooting 23% from three-point range. This is a guy who two seasons ago um, you know, was just shy of the 40% mark. So we're talking about a pretty massive dip. Last year, he, he dropped down all the way to 31%. And you're thinking, wow, that was, a, that was a pretty big dip. Hopefully, he'll get it back up. And instead, he's gone even further down. And because of this, look, teams are saying, go ahead, man. Take it. Shoot it. We'll, while, while you do that, we're going to sit here in the paint. And we're going to cut off all mm-hmm. your passing, passing lanes. So again, it, everything trickles down from him. And if he's, if he's not able to hit that shot a, at least a little bit, the defenses are going to continue to, to play off of him. I also think that defenses have learned to do a better job of, of shading him, not necessarily double teaming him straight up all the time, but, but sending, sending the defense in his direction at, at kind of different random times. He has started to figure it out a little bit more lately. Um, obviously the last three games for him, Boston, Brooklyn, and then and then he had some good moments tonight as well. Uh, he, I think he's starting to get into that offensive rhythm. But if, if you're looking, if we're looking at totality of the season, he's got to shoot better, and he knows it. He's come out and said, "Listen, I'm I'm struggling to shoot the ball," which is is really the first time we've ever heard him say that. Um, you know, since he's been in Denver uh, since 2015. But uh, again, I, I think he's trending in the right direction, which is a, a positive sign. But for Denver to get going, he, he's got to have a big, massive step forward. I completely agree. And I, and I think we've heard players in the locker room, too. I know Will Barton acknowledged that, saying we need to go back to playing through him because when we don't, when he's not playing well, we're good. But when we play through him and we get him going, we are great. And so I, I think that they know that, too, that they need to get back to, to how they were playing last season with going through Jokic more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's, let's move on to, to the number, the second, the second of these four areas. What, uh, what do you got? Yes. Well, I spent pretty much my entire day looking at these numbers. Um, so then these, I didn't get a chance to check them after the game. So what I'm about to talk about is all pre uh, game against 76ers, but my it's probably the same. <laughs> it definitely didn't like, improve. When they, probably. Yeah. When they, when they only score 92 <laughs> points, chances are they didn't get any it's, better. No, probably not. So, um, for me, it's been shot selection, which has been, uh, not, not a shining moment for the Nuggets. Um, a trend that they've been doing is kind of they they're passing up more open shots and you know taking a one two dribble into a contested layup when they had maybe a more open three point shooter um, attempt before. Um, 
So right now they're shooting about 16.7% from when a defender is within two feet of them, which the NBA considers to be a very tight shot. And they're shooting 30.6% when a defender is four to or two to four feet from them, which is considered just a tight shot. But those percentages, in addition to those, which are 25th in the league and 28th in the league respectively, they're attempting 0.9 shots when a defender is really close, which seems like a really small number. But I think that like the most a team is shooting from that situation is 1.1. So it's kind of up there when you put it into perspective. Um, and the Nuggets are shooting 9.9 shots with a tight shot. And a reason why they're kind of forcing these shots and getting into situations where they're super tight and there's defenders on them is because they're they're pretty slow in transition. They're playing with, I think, the second slowest pace in the league. So they're really using up the, t- the shot clock, getting down the court, getting their offense set. And by the time that their offense is set, there's like four seconds left in the shot clock. And so they're shooting... They're shooting the ninth worst in the league at 39.2% when there's seven to four seconds left. And they're shooting, I think, the top nine or top eight attempts in the league in those types of situations. So just their shot choices and the way that they're setting their offense has been a big downfall for them, I think. Well, yeah. And one of the one of the biggest things is that Denver, I think, when they went into the season, they said they wanted to shoot 37 three-pointers a game. They haven't been anywhere close to that. And the stuff that you're talking about of, A, increasing the pace so that you can um, get earlier in the shot clock, try to get some odd man rushes, to borrow a hockey term, up the court and and find mismatches. But also, when you're coming off, you know, whether it's Jamal Murray coming off a screen or a a skip pass, um, having that second to, to, to be able to shoot. I know we talked about this in the Brooklyn game. There's 18 seconds left. Denver's down by one. The ball swings to Will Barton his man is at the free throw line. Yeah. I mean, shoot it. He had just hit a three pointer two possessions earlier that, that helped give Denver the lead. And this is a, this is an opportunity for him right here. And that's when I went back to like the confidence. I think guys are just thinking too much about what they're doing. Part of it is they're, they're an unselfish team. You know, I had a, I had a slip in Brooklyn. I, I <laughs> said to Michael Malone, listen, um, you know, cause we're talking about these things of, of getting, getting shots quicker and all this kind of stuff. And I said, is part of this because, Maybe your team is a little bit too selfish, and I and I meant to say I'm and I go I'm sorry I meant to say unselfish that they're passing the ball around. He says no, I, I wish we were more selfish, <laughs> and 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 again that's not he doesn't he doesn't he d- disdains iso iso ball. He doesn't he doesn't want guys, um you know just just bring the ball down and going one on one. But it's a matter of like listen, if I'm open on the three point line, there's 17 seconds left on the shot clock, but this is a good shot. Shoot the shot. We might not get a better shot the rest of the possession. So I agree. Th- those are the kind of things that. He's really trying to drive home. Um, and, you know, I'd ha- I'll have to go back and kind of really look at it closely to see whether they made some of those strides uh, against the 76ers. But, you know, again, there was examples of him uh, seeing that in Brooklyn, too, and uh, that they have to be better at that. Uh, another thing they have to be better at is is getting contributions from their bench. Um, essentially, there there's not anyone in that unit that, that has sort of stepped up and, and just carried consistency throughout the year, uh, you know, went out and just won games the way that they played. We just haven't seen it. And, and last year, it was such a big part of the formula for Denver. They had some injuries and, and guys stepped up seemingly every night out of nowhere to, well, it became, it was no longer out of nowhere. It was, it was something to become expected that guys like Malik Beasley and Monte Morris 
and you know Mason Plumley and, and and Trey Lyles toward the beginning of the season when he, when he was still healthy. Watch Hernan Gomez. They had all these guys who were taking advantage of an opportunity that had been created for them and, and just took off. And so you came into this year saying, "Look, these guys, man, they they've done it. They've got the swag. They've been in the playoffs. All this kind of stuff." Uh, but in the back of your mind, you said, "Well." they're not going to get those minutes. Malik Beasley's not going to be able to play as much if Gary Harris and Jamal Murray are healthy. Um, Monte Morris is not going to get that time on the floor playing alongside Jamal Murray. He's just going to be his straight backup. So, and that's now that's come to fruition. We, we've seen these guys. And I wrote about this the other day, all of their minutes played are way down. Jeremy Grant's playing 10 minutes fewer per game than he did last year. Monte Morris, seven fewer. Mason Plumlee, five fewer. Juancho Hernan Gomez, five fewer. All these guys are playing a lot less and so I think it's a chicken and the egg thing that they're not out there as much as they were last year. They don't have as large of swaths of opportunities that they had last year that allowed them to, I think, catch a rhythm and, and to to play some with the starters and, and to, to meld all together. It just last year just felt like a lot more of a mesh. There wasn't necessarily uh, starters and bench because so many of the bench players started at various times in the year. Right now, it feels like a clear delineation between starters and bench. And part of that, I think Michael Malone, I think, needs to do a little bit better job of melding those guys together. Part It's hard because the starters have played so well together, and you know that's your best lineup. Uh, but in order, I think, to help these other guys along, uh, I just think that they need to be mixed a little bit more uh, so that so that they have an opportunity to play with other starters. That, that That's what I'm seeing from it. Michael Porter Jr. is a guy who, who might bring something to that. But for all the, the excitement that we talked about and what he can bring to the table – it, he's still a ways away. He, he's not going to make a giant impact. He might be able to maybe lift some of the scoring issues or, or at least give them a spark, but but he is not going to be some instant answer, and I, I don't think anybody should expect him to be that. Uh, they, they're just going to have to find out another way. I don't know if there's a trade uh, that, that we can, you know, we'll probably start talking about as, as that time gets closer, but uh, they got to get something going out of that bench. Yeah, it, it, you, may, you brought up an interesting point when you said that they need to stop kind of doing uh, – all starters or all reserves, because that's something that Malone talked about earlier in the season that he didn't want to do. He didn't want to do another hockey analogy, the whole, you know, one team in that that guy, that group yeah, comes out. Hockey shift, yeah. Right. He said that he didn't want to do that. And he has been doing it. Like you said, because the starters have been playing really well. I also can't not just wonder if there's some like, because these reserves aren't getting as many minutes, because there's no clear rotation, if there's some frustration internally with them, like you see a guy like Tory Craig who played really, really well for them in the playoffs. And of course, it was different last year with all the injuries and stuff, but you play really well, you show what you're worth, and then you don't get to play for however many games. And so I just wonder if there's some frustration from them too um, and, you know, they, of course, they put on a good face and they all say that, you know, this team is all about sacrifice. That's been like the word of the year for this team. But I can't help but wonder if if there is just a little bit of frustration and and not resentment, but just a little bit of that those feelings going around. Yeah, it's it's tough, you know, and that's that's where the human element comes into play, because these are all guys who again, stepped into major, major roles last year and, and mm-hmm. would think that they were going to have the same thing going this year. And, and right now it just, um, it just hasn't been able to happen that way. Uh, Kendra, w- close us out here. What, what's the, sort of the last thing that's on your mind in terms of the offense? Real quick, real simple free throws. The Nuggets are averaging, they're attempting about 19.8 free throws, which is 
um, 27th in the league out of 30 teams. So that's not great. They're just not getting to the free throw line, uh, whether that's being aggressive, whether that's, I don't know, whatever it is, they're just not getting it. And they're, you know, they're shooting 76.8% from the free throw line when they get there. That's not terrible, but that's not great either. These are opportunities for them to get free shots. And with their offense struggling, especially with shooting, these this is an area where they need to take advantage and they're not. Yeah. I mean, you, again, you, you have a team that is between, between the fact that they are uh, not shooting very many free throws and that they are, um, you know, their, their percentage is kind of middling in the league. When you add those things together, you're not creating points at the free throw line. They're 22nd in the league uh, in, in uh, free throw percentage, as you mentioned. Uh, but if you go to just free throws, just purely free throws made, mm-hmm. uh, they are last in the league, 30th yeah. in the league, 14 and a half free throws per game. And so you're not, you're not getting easy baskets that Michael Malone said that today. Um, he told reporters in Philadelphia, we're just not getting anything easy. So yeah. they can't, they can't create anything easy. Um, whether it be in transition or through their offense, um, that, that used to just seem to create easy baskets, every other possession. Um, so they're not getting to the free throw line at all. And, and part of it is, is schematics, right? Like they need to create ways to just be at the rim, be attacking, but they also have a roster that's not built that way. Um, yeah. Nikola Jokic is not a get to the rim kind of player. He's a, a finesse, um, uh, scheme, um, sort of j- j- just use his savvy in order to score. And, and Jamal Murray, who is their, their star point guard, he is, he is kind of the antithesis of a, of a Dame Lillard or a Russell Westbrook guys who are just constantly, constantly beating down your door. He's going to poke and he's going to prod and he's going to slide his way into the mid range. He's going to come off screens. Uh, he's going to find a lot of different ways to score, but more often than not charging at the basket and getting fouled is not one of them. He, he's just not a forceful, take the ball to the basket kind of player. And they just don't have a lot of them elsewhere. Uh, Will Barton, it does not draw a lot of contact. Gary Harris um, is, is shooting fewer free throws than almost any starting shooting guard in the league. So their roster makeup is a part of it. Uh, so what do they do in order to to offset that? Because again, being the, the the last in the league in terms of creating points at the free throw line is just one more um, roadblock for this offense right now. So we'll close with that. Up next for the Nuggets is a five-game homestand, beginning with Thursday's game against the Trailblazers as Denver welcomes old friend Carmelo Anthony back to town. We'll have a subscriber-only podcast later in the week from that game. So again, go to theathletic.com slash Rainbow Skyline for 40% off an annual subscription. That's going to do it for us tonight. Until next time, thanks for stopping by.